0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to see you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue to read through the letter that was written to the church that is a general letter that is um, to be read among all churches throughout all times. So this is one letter in the... Uh, Bible that we have that's not dealing with specific problems, but telling us how the church works, how it's to function, what its purpose is. And so last week we like dove in and we learned that the Lord is in the mix. Like like he's always moving in the mix of what's going on in and around and through us. He is in and around and through and all. And I think it says that he is in all. Um, all in all is what the Lord is doing. And so everywhere we're going, everywhere, everything we're doing, every conversation we're having, we need to be aware of the fact that the Lord is, is mixing up in, in all of those conversations and he's trying to use us um, to do things. And so that was last week. This week is how he mixes it up, okay? So he's in the mix and then this week he's, he kind of, we see some things about how he mixes, if you will. And so in verses 1 through 6, we learn in chapter 4 that we have a lot in common. There's a lot to say about unity. But in verses 7 through 16 of this chapter, we learn how we are different. And so today we're going to dive into that and unpack a few things that I think will be of interest to you. And um, by way of like just getting started, there's something special about getting gifts, isn't there? Like, You get a gift that's special and it may not have very much value to someone else, but to you, like, it means the world. And you feel special when you hold it, uh, where you put it in a special place. And it's a reminder of the people who, who gave it to you. Um, I recently, you know, had my birthday, and, and Abby and the kids bought me a, a pair of sunglasses. Like a $150 pair of sunglasses. What? Uh, That's the kind of thing you buy when you're 20, not when you're 40. But, man, I put them on. (sniffs) I'm like, I feel special. My kids and my wife wanted me to have these. I had a $20 pair from Sam's, and Abby said, those look stupid on your face. So, <laughs> so so, she got me a new pair of sunglasses, man, and I, I like wearing my sunglasses just because they got them for me. They make me feel special. I can remember when I was 16, I had my first job. I was working at a place called Piccadilly Cafeteria, and uh, I washed dishes, and so I, I got the job during the Christmas season, I think around October, and uh, I started washing these dishes and making a little money, and I, it was in the mall. And so it was. It was coming up Christmas time, and man, this was the first time that I actually had some cash that I could buy presents. And and so I went around, and 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 I remember getting my check, and um, I I it took me about three weeks to pay for everything, but but I unloaded a lot of for me at the time a lot of cash on my my brothers and my mom and dad and and my uh, sister in law and and just kind of like bless them. I can remember I. I bought my little brother a real cool remote control card. Cost me, and this was back in like 1986, cost me about 160 bucks. And, and I bought my brother this real cool picture and bought my mom some cool stuff. And I, there was so much joy in my heart that Christmas. I couldn't hardly wait to let see them open their gifts as I, I gave them those gifts. And it was just a, an incredible a blessing for me to understand what Jesus said is, is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I learned that that Christmas, the reward that comes from giving uh, a gift. And so here's, here's where we're starting and we're taking off today. Dear church, Jesus gives gifts. Like every one of you who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been given a gift. And so as we look in the text in verse 7, we learn it says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. And so when we look in this text today um, and we begin to unpack it, there are some really cool stuff that we learn about how the Spirit functions. And what what I want to say to you is that when we talk in terms of gifts and spiritual gifts that the Lord gives, there's, there's different places in the Bible that lists different types of gifts. And they're not exhaustive. It just kind of lists some of the gifts. Some people have gifts of faith. Some people have um, gifts of encouragement. Um, so some people have the gift of giving as, as described as a gift. But this, this particular passage of Scripture is a little bit different because it's talking about a, a gifting that is given by the the Lord, and the spiritual gift is not the same as natural abilities. And so when we come into the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ does a work in our lives and we surrender to him and we're born again, just like when we're born physically, we receive natural abilities, when we are born spiritually, we receive supernatural abilities, And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that each believer has God-given abilities that can strengthen the body. And we're going to see that as we continue to unpack and go all the way through verse 16, is these gifts are given in order to strengthen the body of Christ. Now, the picture that we have is that as Jesus, it says that Paul uses this, this passage out of Psalms, I believe it's Psalm 68, where it talks about, um, David writes a song about the, the Lord ascending and descending. And so Paul uses that and he writes about it here. And there's a picture of a military conqueror leading the captives and sharing the spoils with his followers. And so when a king would go into a foreign country and he would conquer that country, that nation, he would bring back the uh, a lot of the people from that nation to serve in his nation. He would bring back the king Oftentimes, the king would be chained um, uh, with a chain around his neck. He would be paraded through, and they would bring back spoils, everything of value that they brought back from that battle. They would bring it back to their homeland, and the king would be in uh, all of his uh, uh, royalty. He would be dressed, and he would they would have a parade, kind of like what will happen for the eagles or the uh, uh, patriots. Raise your hand if you're for the eagles tonight today okay how many Patriots fans have we had how many people just don't care yeah all right that has nothing to do with the sermon but it's a nice little survey so the the uh so the idea is that they had this parade and as the king's going through he's taking from the spoils and he's giving them out to the crowd and the people are cheering and they're so excited because they're receiving gifts from the king and so in this context, what has happened is Jesus has led captive the devil himself and all of the evil forces that come against us that we're going to learn about in chapter 6. Coming up, he has is, he is held captive all those forces. And now because they are being um, held in captivity in the sense of they don't have control over the believer and the Spirit of God is unleashed in a person, there are gifts that are dispensed by Jesus himself. And so um, he talks about um, that he descended, and we see that he descended in humiliation, and he um, ascended in exaltation. And so Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, and he descended to the earthly regions. He came to the planet. And then he died on the cross of Calvary. He, was risen from the, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended, and he was exalted king over all of the universe. And so for us, it's the same. When we humble ourselves before God, he raises us up. We learn this in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will raise you up. And as we go through that experience, what happens is he raises us up by producing fruit in our lives, the fruit of Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and you walk with me, you will bear fruit. And so that is the humbleness, that I'm going to humble myself and realize I need God in order to... Bear fruit in my life. I need Christ. I need to abide in the vine. I am a branch that needs to stay connected to the vine. And as I abide in the vine of Christ, then He will produce the fruit of Christ in my life. And so He raises us up by bearing this fruit in our lives. And then He names these five different things: apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or shepherd, and and teacher. And so we're going to use the word pastor. And shepherd, uh, or we're going to use the word shepherd, I, I, I suppose, as, as opposed to uh, pastor. So, a pro- apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and this is a fivefold ministry of the spirit. Now, I want to be very clear here. There is some confusing teaching out there in the world. If you go and Google fivefold ministry of the spirit, there are some groups that are teaching and advocating that there are f- the fivefold ministry of the spirit is. Um, A spiritual office, like the apostle that was in the New Testament, that there are modern-day apostles, and that is not true. That is not that is not accurate because the canon of Scripture has been closed, and what we mean by that is God has already revealed His truth to the kingdom. We know even in the last letter that we have. Um, in the book of Revelations, it says that anybody who adds to this prophecy or takes away, may the curses found in it be added to his life. Okay, and so we are to stay true to this canon of scripture that we have. The miraculous abilities that the apostles had that they could go and heal people. I mean, they could literally do a lot of the works that Christ himself did. We see that even as the New Testament, some of the older epistles that were written further away from the time of Christ's ascension, those things weren't happening as much anymore because God was establishing his word. He was establishing his church. He was establishing um, what could be trusted as truth. And so as we look at it now here in our day and age, the canon of Scripture is closed. And so as we talk about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher, we're not saying that you take on an official office. I might say it this way, rather than using... A big A for apostle, we would use a little a for apostle. We're not equating um, the apostolic gifting of the Spirit to that which the apostles had during the time of Jesus. And so as we look at this, what we see is each one of these things are character traits of Christ. Christ, um, he had an apostolic gifting about him. He was sent to the world. Uh, Christ had a prophetic gift. Um, a, a presence about him. He would prophesy things, and there are a number of things that he prophesied that happened. Um, he prophesied that Peter would deny him and Peter denied him. He prophesied that you destroy this um, temple referring to himself and in three days it will be rebuilt and he rose from the dead and so a lot of prophetic things happening around uh, Christ. We know that he was an evangelist because he was going out and had compassion for the crowds. He constantly looked at the crowds and he was moved with compassion and he would minister to them. We know he was a shepherd because he cared for the people and he even described himself as the good shepherd and we know that he was a teacher because the people said, man, there's never been a guy who could teach like this. He teaches with authority. And so as we think of ourselves, we're called Christians. We were first called Christians in Antioch. And the reason we were called Christians, the word actually was used, means that we were little Christ. That people looked so much like Jesus, they started calling them little Christ. And so that's the idea, is that we the character of Christ is so formed and so developed in our lives as we go through the process of sanctification, which is just a fancy theological term to mean spiritual growth. We're growing in the character of Christ. And these giftings are ours to be utilized of, to uh, benefit the church and bring glory to Christ. And so what we notice here is that it says that... Um, He apportioned, uh, uh, he says to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now what does that word apportion mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word metron, and it means a measure. So Jesus, um, in the dispensing of gifts, measures out an uh, amount of grace to gift as he sees fit. And so when we look at this, this is not saving grace. Saving grace is not measured. It is abundant. Like the same amount of saving grace that is required to save Jimmy Holbrook is the same amount of grace that is required uh, to save Shay Haddock. Now I know that's unbelievable. It seems like it would take a lot more for him. I know I'm teasing. But it's the same. Okay, but equipping grace is measured. And so the saving grace is about just an abundance of grace It requires the same amount of grace to save any human being. But equipping grace is um, uh, used for the advancement of the kingdom, and that's why it is described as measured grace. Now, real quickly, I'm just going to give you a survey of these. We cannot dive deep into this. And what we do at OPCC, and I don't talk a whole lot about it because it's very slow, intentional, and um, it takes time, and some of you who are, are not a part of a discipleship group, it may frustrate you, and it may feel like, man, why am I not in a discipleship group? Because we're trying to do it the way Jesus taught us to do it in the New Testament, and it's slow, and we don't have enough people that are, uh, are like doing the discipleship thing. And so we get into this a lot deeper in discipleship, and it's, it's, a, it's an incredible place for you to learn more about how um, the, the apest is what it's called, works out in your life. But today I'm going to give you a survey because, man, we're just unpacking Ephesians. That's where we're at. And I struggled with how do I teach this and knowing that we teach it in discipleship. I said, well, I just got to teach it. And, and so we just kind of hit it as a survey to encourage you um, what is available to you in the kingdom. And so the first one is the word apostle. And apostle, uh, the word apostolos means sent out. As a matter of fact, it is a um, it was a, a word that they would use um, for cargo ships that would be sent out to get cargo. It was kind of a, a, a shipping term, and they would send people out. And so when we think in terms of an apostle, a, gifting, a person who is wired and gifted as an apostle, um, it's a person who's sent out, it's a visionary, it's a pioneering individual. They're always pushing for new territory. So, so what happens is, is that, that God sort of has wired us in our spiritual DNA to be um, heavy on some of these gifts, that they they come a little bit easier for us. But that doesn't mean that we only rely on that gift. It means in order for us to be well-rounded and fully mature people, which the text will show us here in a moment, um, in order for us to be well-rounded, fully mature people, then we have to be developing in all of these areas. But some of them are, are sort of like bases we operate from. This is my base phase uh, or my base uh, gifting from the spirit that I operate from. But the Lord may take me through phases in order to develop me as a well-rounded individual. Now, here's the problem with a person who has that visionary, pioneering um, uh, a gifting from the Lord. is There's always a shadow with these gifts. And by that mean, meaning that if a person is immature in their walk with God, there is a shadow and the gift can do harm in the body as opposed to good. For instance, for the apostle, his shadow is he cannot discern between God and a constant flood of ideas. And so, what he does is he gets bored with something that he starts after he starts it, and then he moves on to something else, and he starts something else, and he gets bored with that, and then he starts something else, and he cannot discern what God is actually calling him to do, and he is not listening to the other areas of the Spirit that has gifted him and maturing in those other areas to help him to follow through with what it is that he started. And so, therefore, people will not follow him because he's always starting something new, and they get frustrated because everyone is not wired like him. Now, now, if everyone was wired like him, um, then, then like, they would just go into a lot of new places but probably never establish anything because they're always moving on to ne- new territory. And so that is uh, the first gifting that we see um, in the ministry of the Spirit. The second one is the prophet. And the prophet enjoys being alone with God. They enjoy spending a lot of time alone with God in his word, in prayer. And they like to wait and listen to what um, God shares with them during this time. A prophet also is really good at listening uh, to a sermon. And all of a sudden, if something's a little bit off, it's like, whoa, they feel it. They feel it earlier. A person who um, is not wired this way and they're not maturing in their profit probably could hear something that was a little off and wouldn't even bother them. They would just swallow it and, and keep on going. And so when we get a lot of people with a, uh, it, it gathered in a group and there's nobody who has a, uh, this, this um, uh, gifting as a prophet in the sense of being able to recognize truth and discern things, that's how you end up with cults. That's why there's so many groups around who believe so many crazy things is because people aren't developing in their prophetic gifting to be able to recognize truth when it is there and sitting with the Lord in the Word. And so their role is to share what they receive and back away. Now, what are they receiving? Now, the prophet in the Old and New Testament, before the closure of the canon, they would receive new revelation from God. Like they they would receive a new revelation that didn't exist before. Post um, uh, the canon closing, where we're living in today, we don't receive new revelation. Anybody who says, I have a new revelation from the Lord, if it is not in the Word, you need to look at them and say, you don't have anything, bro. You're off. There's no such thing as a new revelation. All we need has already been revealed to us in the truth of God's word. And so more than a foreteller of future, a prophet now is a foreteller of what has already been revealed. And so they foretell and they proclaim the truth as they see it and they back away. Here's the shadow of the prophet. The shadow of the prophet is that they will try to move from revelation to application immediately. In other words, like I've seen it happen in people's lives where um, there, there's been a situation where someone maybe needs to follow through in baptism, and the prophet knows that, and the prophet leans into them, and the prophet is like, you need to get baptized right now. And the other person's like, I'm not ready for that. The Spirit hasn't brought them to that place, and they may be right. The prophet may be tr- true and right and accurate when he's saying that they do need to um, get baptized and follow through with that. That is true. But there is a timing of things and the prophet has to mature. And if he doesn't mature in how God has wired him, he will harm people and push people away from him because he's always trying to move them into application because he feels the burning truth down deep in his soul. And so the mature prophet learns how to make the, uh, that which he has seen from the Lord, that's what he, sh- he has heard from the Lord, make it available to the people and back away. And let the people begin to figure out and work through it as opposed to forcing the situation and doing more harm than good. Then there is the evangelist. Now the evangelist is a person who knows the word and they know how to make it relevant to a non-Christian. I mean, man, they just know how to get the word and, and just get with a person, and, and it's just natural for them just to have a Jesus discussion without making the person feel threatened, and the person gets excited, and it's a gifting of the Spirit that allows us to do that. Here's the problem with the uh, evangelist. I think we know what, what, I, what I'm talking about when we see somebody who's naturally gifted in this area is that uh, the evangelist's shadow is they can often have a love em and leave them attitude. it's it's all about how many people can we get into the kingdom. And they also can compromise things that they shouldn't compromise because they're only focused on who can we get in the kingdom. And so uh, an evangelist needs to develop in his prophetic gifting in order to be able to make sure that he's not compromising just for the sake of reaching people and getting them into the kingdom. And so we have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and then we move on to the shepherd. Now what is it about the shepherd? Well, the shepherd loves spending time with people in their pain. Like the shepherd, man, many you, you, you're you struggling in your sin and the shepherd's going to come alongside of you and they're going to run up and get some Kleenex and they're going to cry with you and they're, they're going to be there and they're, they're going to, like you can meet with a shepherd every week if he's immature until Jesus comes back and he will cry with you every week, okay? Now, it might be a shock to you, but in my ministry when I first began, my shepherd gifting was very immature. I'm like, man, if you're not going to get up and live for Jesus, I got no time for this. And I'm going to move on down the road. So that's the prophet side of the gifting in me that is very high. And the shepherding in me that is more of a, a something that had to be developed that doesn't come natural for me. And, and so I had to develop that over time and become a lot more patient and compassionate and loving. So that the Lord could use me to build and advance the kingdom. My wife is extremely wired, extremely high as a shepherd. And so here's the problem with the shepherd and their shadow is they're unsure how to move people from pain to healing and transformation. They're afraid sometimes to bring the truth in and they will put it away because they're afraid that they may be rejected in the relationship. And so we have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and then finally the teacher. And the teacher is excited by the Word. They love the Word. They love to explain the Word. They love to enlighten people. They love to take truth and just apply it to people's lives. And, man, they can just study the Word and get down in the Word and just, man, unpack it and learn things and study and then bring people together and then just like, just blow people's minds. A, people, a lot of times people with a teaching gift um, you, you'll see them in the first discovery of their gift as they receive that of uh, the Lord, and they, they're, they're, they're saved, and they receive the Spirit of God, one of the first things they will do is run to prophecy. They'll run to the book of Revelation. They want to understand every system behind it, every way that it can work out. Man, they just, they're just down in that, man, and just working it, and working it, working it, and they can talk you all the way through it. And here's the shadow of the, of the teacher, is that they will ri- rely on their ability to wow you with their intellect instead of the authority from Scripture and the Holy Spirit. They become so good and so gifted in understanding the systems and the things of the word that they fail to take the gifting of the prophet and sit with the Lord and allow him to show Him show them what needs to be taught and they drive it on their own. And often we just listen to them and we're wowed by them and we learn a lot, but it doesn't do anything for the kingdom because they're focusing on their own um, wow factor with their own intellect instead of the authority of the Holy Spirit and Scripture. Now, here's the thing. So so this is what we would just classify as a gifting of the Spirit, all character traits of Christ. And, And so we can't look at them and go, well, I can see God has wired me as a prophet, and I don't need to worry about the other four. That's not the way it works. The way it works is God moves in our lives and he takes us through different areas and he's maturing us in all of them. We will always function from a base easily. We will always be energized from the base. But thank the Lord that he has developed my shepherd gifting um, to to match the other giftings that he's put in me naturally. I am naturally wired as as a prophet, as an evangelist, And 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 as as that apostolic gifting like that man that that came in me immediately day one when I like fully surrendered to the Lord you could recognize those gifts in me, but the Lord man the Lord one of the things I love about OPCC is the Lord has used my time here in the last um, you know six years to stretch my shepherding gift in such an enormous way. And I'm finding like a reward in that and and things that I would have never uh, learned about myself and about the kingdom had the Lord not taken me through that phase. And so we have a responsibility to grow in all of these areas. Now, here's the deal. These are gifts, and, and the gifts are not toys to play with. They are gifts to build with. And if they are not used in love, they become weapons to fight with. This is why churches have disunity. And one group begins to want to go this way and another group inside the congregation wants to go this way is because they don't understand that the people that is leading that are following a leader in this group and the people that are following a leader in that group, they don't understand the giftings and the wirings of each other and the weaknesses in their own heart and, so, uh, and their own giftings. And so they don't rely on each other. They begin to get frustrated with each other because they don't understand each other. But the more we understand the workings of the Spirit and the giftings of the Spirit, the more that we can begin to go, man, I need to listen to this individual because they're totally gifted in a different way than I am, and, and God has put them in my life in order to advance the kingdom. And so, for us, even as a, a, a staff, like one of the things that is so rewarding is that, the, like, like, I can see on our team. Is that we're getting balanced in our apest and having the right giftings from different people that are bringing different things to the table and helping us to be well rounded as a staff that is responsible for leading the body in in the church. So here's the gifts, and this is why we have to mature in them because if we don't understand them and use them in love, they will only cause division in the church. Now, watch what Jesus says or what the word says next Dear church, the, the gifts are given to make disciples. Like the gifts are not given for anything else but to make disciples. Look at verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that, the body of, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of the Christ. So why are the gifts given? In order to make disciples. Maturity equals, like the the Scripture here talks about maturity, if we're maturing in Christ, it equals that we are exercising the gifts that God has given us. We're we're working those gifts into our lives. We're understanding them more and more on a deeper basis. And the gifts are given to make disciples. We know that based on Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, um, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says all authority, all authority on heaven and earth has been given for us to do that. So we have the authority necessary to make a disciple so that when we take our gifts and we use them to make disciples, the authority of God is poured out in our lives and we are able to uh, be sent out, we're able to proclaim the truth, we're able to shepherd people, we're able to teach them, and we're able to reach people because God has given us his authority to do what? To make disciples. So one of the reasons we're not experiencing an amazing amount of spiritual growth in our lives is because we're not trying to make disciples. That's where the authority comes from. It doesn't come from anything else. It doesn't come from trying to make worship music. It doesn't come from trying to make a children's program. It doesn't come from trying to do an outreach ministry. The only way authority comes is when we're trying to make disciples. So what does that tell us? In all of the areas of ministry we're trying to develop, we should be focused on making disciples because the authority of God will be dispensed in our lives to make us well-rounded individuals who understand the giftings of the apostle, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher, and the prophet. And we can accomplish unity and walk in the fullness of the measure of Christ. Look at the last part of verse 13. So uh, we, we learn in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? That means that we are not only indwelt with the Spirit of God, we are filled with the Spirit of God. All believers are indwelt with the Spirit of Jesus. All right, The Holy Spirit indwells every person is a, who is a believer. But not every believer is walking in the fullness of the Spirit. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that we are to be ye filled with the Spirit. Walk in the fullness of the Spirit, not that of the flesh. How do we walk in the fullness of the Spirit? We understand that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to us to make disciples. We begin to set out on a journey to make disciples with our lives. We don't get let the enemy who has been led captive and is in the train behind Jesus being paraded through as he gives out the gifts of the apostle, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher, and the prophet to go and make disciples but yet we say I, I'm scared why like the enemy is locked up for us he has no he has no rule and reign in our lives we have been set free we are not the slaves we are the ones who have received the gifts of the Holy Spirit to go and make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ himself and when we do guess who gets the glory the Lord because only He can be you only He can use us to accomplish um, the eternal things that, that we've been called to accomplish in the kingdom. So dear, G, dear church, Jesus gives gifts. Dear church, the gifts are given to make disciples. And dear church, we do not exist for ourselves, we exist for each other. Okay? So, like Jesus said you have to die to yourself. Watch what happens in verses 14 through 16. Then, like when we get this, then Like there it is, right there. So what do we see? That we exist for each other, not ourselves. Now, the gifts are designed to do a few things, and let me share them with you, and, and then we'll, we'll move on to uh, closing this service. Amen? Here's the first reason, that the, one of the reasons the gift is what it's designed to do. To move people out of infancy into maturity. Like the gifts are designed to move a person from being a babe in Christ. Think of all of the scripture. If you read the Bible much, you'll you'll see that Paul talks about, don't be babies craving the spiritual milk anymore. Get on the meat of the word. And so the gifts are designed to move people from infancy into maturity in Christ. Now, it's okay to be an infant. Everybody who's born again comes into the world as infants. It's not okay to be an infant for 20 years, especially in this church because you've been challenged and taught to go beyond your infancy spiritually. That's why you take the grace of God, you work it into your lives. As it's been apportioned to you, you understand your giftings and you begin to mature in your walk with God. And so a mark of maturity is cooperation. I belong to you, you belong to me. We we belong to each other. And so we help each other, and we help each other grow beyond infancy to maturity. Here's the second reason, um, a, a, a second purpose of the designing of the gifts. To protect us from heresy and deceit. Listen, like, man, there's so much heresy in this town. Like, like there's heresy in this town. People who are claiming to be followers of Jesus that have bought into something that is heretical. What does that mean? It means that the word won't support. Like, that, like it's compromising what the word teaches. And why is that happening? It's because we're allowing it and the body of Christ is not doing its job. And so the deceitful scheming is taking place and people are being dubbed because they see things that look like fruit. But if it is not rooted in Christ, it is not the fruit of Christ. And so we, what do we do? It's like, uh, well, we have to understand that we protect from heresy and deceit by developing the spiritual gifts and making sure we're well-rounded in all the giftings of the Spirit. The only way to grow the herd is to feed the Word. That's it. Like If the herd is not consuming the Word, it is not growing in Christ. If you are not consuming the Word in your life, there's no way to grow you. It is the only thing that will sustain you. It is the only thing that your spiritual processing can Um, can consume and be turned into the kind of spiritual energy that will grow you is the word itself. So the only way we can do that is to get into the word and make sure that we are centered on the word. If we're centering centering on anything else, we are not growing in Christ. Um, And then the third thing is to help us speak the truth in love. Okay? So, we're to be able, the scripture says, we're a, to be able to speak the truth to one another, see things in one another that we can say, hey, man, like I, I, I'm making an observation here, and I can receive that from you because it is given in love. The problem is, again, we get immaturity in these giftings. A prophet, a person who's wired very strong as a prophet, is always trying to speak the truth, but they're never doing it in love, and so it causes division instead of unity. Um. Truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy. The shepherd is always loving a person if he's immature and he's never bringing any truth into it. That's hypocrisy. The immature prophet is always prophesying and never bringing in any love. That's brutality. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be developed as a prophet and a shepherd, and we're supposed to be able to bring the truth into a situation under the right timing and do it in love so that the person feels like we are for them, not against them. And what does God say? Um, if God is for us, who can be against us? And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and to love our neighbor like ourselves. And so what does that mean? Is We should treat other people the way that God treats us, and so the other people that we are Trying to speak truth through in their lives ought to feel like we are fighting for them we are with them we are not fighting against them like you guys know exactly what i'm talking about like you know that you know of a prophet that has gone up to somebody and they're like hey man like and in the name of jesus let me just whack you on the head but i love you brother no you don't you just whack me on the head and that's not what jesus does the truth will whack me on the head. I don't need you slinging the Bible. I need you loving me and speaking that truth in love. And let the Spirit of God do the work on me. Amen? You whack somebody in the head around here, I'm going to whack you back. Oh. Okay, so, and then uh, the, the final thing is it helps us grow up in Christ. And so, so the whole design of all of this is to help us to grow up in the Lord. And um, the way we discover and develop our gifts is by hanging with other believers in a local assembly so that all of this stuff can happen. And so a lot of times we hear, well, I, you know, I believe in God, I, love, I believe in Jesus. I don't believe, I just don't like church. It's not possible to grow in Christ without a church. It's, it's like a believer, a believer who is never in church is like a baby that is never held. It can't grow properly and it ends up sick. And so, like, our job is to be out there using all of these gift things to build relationships with people, to plug into their lives, and so that we can love them to the Lord. Here's the big idea. Dear church, grow up, in, and out. Okay? Dear church, grow up, grow in, grow out. What does that mean? It means that we have to be a balanced church, and we're we're focusing, uh, like, all the time on growing up with God. That we're getting, our, we're getting our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ right. But we're also not just focusing on growing up, we're growing in with each other. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are helping each other grow. And then we are going out and reaching other people. It's very easy to get imbalanced in these things to where we become, a church can become all about the up and they never do the in and the out. A church can be really good about up, uh, uh, the, the up with God and the in, and they never go out. If I would say there's a weakness about our church, it's our out. Like, our out is weak. And, and, and one of the things that we need to happen is that the disciples of OPCC get really strong so that they have done the up and the in, and they got something to take out. Because a lot of churches will focus on the in with each other and the out, and they don't focus on the up with God. And that is an imbalanced church. And so what we have to have is when we're going out and ministering to people, whether it's the homeless or or the needy or orphans or whatever, we got to make sure that we are taking something beyond material goods. What good does it do to give a man a sandwich if you don't know anything about Jesus? Like, shouldn't you be able to offer a sandwich in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit? That's what we're supposed to be able to do. Is we go, we go minister to the homeless, and our up and our in is so strong that the Spirit of God has filled us. We're walking in the fullness of the Spirit. We're well-rounded individuals, and we're able to walk this stuff out in life. And so there is power and authority that is falling on us to go and minister to the world out there. That's what Jesus wants the church to be like. And so my challenge for you today is to think about where are you in this whole spiritual journey? Are you, are you even thinking about your, your growing in your in and growing in your up and growing in your out? Are you just kind of like, I go to church. That's cool. Like I want you to keep coming. Uh, I didn't become a pastor just go like, "Hey, man, you know this looks like a cool career choice. May yeah, I make a lot of money doing that? Um, have a whole lot of fun? I became a pastor because I listened to the Lord. He developed the giftings that are in me. He has rounded me. okay? I'm here for a season in this, on this planet. And so God has sent me to you. To help you do this. and So it's not okay just to sit and go, I like that church. It's cool. You got to get some movement. You got to be willing to get with the Lord and let him shape you because he's trying to do something through you. Remember, he is in the mix and this is how he mixes it up. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.